Mark and the 11th chapter. We're going to wrap up our series this morning on beautiful things, and we're going to talk about the subject of the other side of the mountain. So if you're taking notes, you can write that title in, The Other Side of the Mountain. Here in Mark 11, and we'll start reading in verse 12, it says, Now the next day when they, talking about Jesus and his disciples here, said whenever they come out of Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And whenever he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And in response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now skip down to verse 20. I want us to stick with the story of the fig tree here. He says, Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Whenever you stand praying, If you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Uh, This is really interesting to me. I've always thought that this was just one of the craziest things that ever happened in Jesus' ministry. I mean, Jesus is hungry, and he sees his fig tree bearing leaves, but it's not the season for figs, but he goes over to it, and he wants to see what's going on. I always think that it's crazy, because here, the night before, Jesus and his disciples walk by a fig tree, and they see it's got leaves on it. Jesus is hungry. I want something to eat. I know it's not the season for figs, but he goes over to it, and nothing's there. And because nothing's there, he said, nobody's going to ever eat figs from you again. Sorry, too bad, so sad. And then the next day, the disciples come back, and here's this fig tree withered, and the disciples are just freaking out. They're going, whoa, look at this. Look, that's a tree right there. It's like, look, Jesus, look at that. And Jesus is like, oh, have faith in God, you guys. I I, I said it. I, I, I spoke to this thing. You see, here's the deal. He went to the fig tree, even though it was out of season, it had leaves on it. And if you know anything about fig trees, it's that the leaves actually come before the fruit, which is pretty much opposite of a lot of other uh, produce and different things. You know, a lot of times you'll begin to see the buds and you'll begin to at least be able to tell some signs of life before the fruit's there. But if there's leaves on a fig tree, that means there's figs on it. And so him seeing from a distance, this is weird, this is a fig tree that's full, He goes over and checks it out. And then he begins to talk about a mountain right after that. And I'm going, okay. Jesus, he's he's cursing fig trees. And he starts, oh, and there's a mountain. And be removed. And and all this kind of stuff. And then he starts talking about forgiveness and all these different things. And either Jesus was really ADD or he had a purpose for what he was saying. He he, he either was just completely scatterbrained like nobody in this room, you know, there's people in our town that are scatterbrained, but not here today. But, you know, it, it, it's either Jesus was scatterbrained or he had a purpose for what he was saying, a purpose for what he was doing. I choose to believe that Jesus had a purpose in what he was saying and why he said it the way he said it. Don't you? 
I think Jesus had a purpose for everywhere he went, everything he said, everything that he did. And here's the thing that you've got to understand. That Jesus started talking about faith here. He started explaining to the disciples about the basics of what faith was all about. And you've got to understand something about faith, that wherever it's present, wherever there's faith, there's always hope. Wherever there's faith, there is always, always hope. You see, the fig tree, it looked the part, but it didn't have any fruit. Jesus was saying to his disciples, here, check this out. He was saying to them, you doubted the change because it looked like it was fruit-bearing? You doubted the change that I spoke? You doubted the thing that I said was going to come to pass because it looked like it was fruit-bearing? Because this tree appeared to have this fruit because of these leaves? You thought that because that, that tree was already green, because it was already looking like it was going to play the part, all of a sudden you thought that it was more powerful than what I had just spoken? Do you know who I am? <laughs> That's why the very next thing Jesus says, have faith in God. I, I just spoke to this thing. I said, it's, I said it. That's the end of it. I said that this thing is going to dry up and nobody's ever going to eat figs from you again. That's the end of it. You've got to understand something. That when Jesus has declared something, whenever God has inked something, whenever he has settled something, that's the end of it, folks. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to go, I'm feeling kind of nice today. I'm feeling a little grumpy today. I think I'm going to chuck some lightning bolts at some folks. That's not how he works. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And where there's faith, there's always hope. And that's what he was trying to show him. Where there's faith, there's going to be hope. Okay, listen, you've got to have faith in God. He just saw a huge gap in his disciples' belief system at this point. Yeah, there's a whole other story about what the figs represent, and we could get into all that theological stuff, but we're not going to get into that this morning. I want to just hit the bare basics of what happened here. There's a tree. They go away. The next day, the tree's dead. That's what it's all about. The tree, he's gone. It's, it, it's dead. What, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden, now Jesus is wanting to start to talk about mountains. Jesus is saying, listen, guys, if you can't believe that the words that I speak are going to happen and it's going to come about just because these leaves were so green and you thought that I wasn't powerful enough or that I didn't have the authority to say that and make it happen. You didn't think that, then you've got to have faith in God. There's a huge gap in your belief system. Jesus immediately recognized the weak link in his disciples' belief system. He said, listen, you've got to have faith in God. You've got to believe that whenever he says something, it's definitive and that he means it and that he desires it and that it's going to happen. Because if you can't do that, then how in the world are you ever going to have any faith? How are you ever going to have any faith if you can't believe that what God says is authoritative and definitive? You see, a lot of people want to treat God like he's this very emotional being that moves based on our feelings. A lot of times we view God as someone that we try to play on his emotions to get him to move on our behalf. Oh God, my situation's terrible. Oh God, please feel sorry for me. Oh God, please move in my life because I just feel sorry for me. My case is so terrible. My, what's going on in my life is just so bad. And we play on what we think is the emotions of God. But God does not react to our plea of emotion. He reacts to faith. Faith moves the hand of God, folks. <clears throat> Thank you. You guys are catching on. Man, you can tell I've been here for a little while. Good. 
Faith moves the hand of God. Faith moves the hand of God, not our emotional distress. We want our emotional distress to move the hand of God. And there are seasons and there are times in our life where God's mercy does extend to us during those crisis times when we cry out to him on that uh, emotional stress or whatever's going on in our lives. But that does not move the hand of God as much as faith moves his hand to see your life changed. It's by faith that we're saved. You know, you know it's, it's simply our faith in Christ alone that we're even saved, that we're even sitting here in a church today professing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's just by faith alone. Faith in what he did was good enough to redeem me, to buy me back from my past, from my sin, from my brokenness, from my disconnection with God. That's what gives me hope of a better life. That's what gives me hope of a better eternity. That's what gives me a hope of a great life here walking in victory. It's faith. It's not feeling. It's not emotional. Because sometimes you wake up and you don't feel like you're saved. You might have said something or done something. All of a sudden you don't feel like God loves you. You don't feel accepted. You don't feel like God's mercy is big enough. You don't feel like he really cares. Because you don't feel that way, does that all of a sudden change everything and God doesn't care anymore? So then that's what the Bible must mean whenever it tells us not to walk by our sight or what we can see or what we can feel, but to walk by faith. To walk by trusting that if God said it, that that's definitive, that that's authoritative, that that's established. If he said that fig tree is going to die and nobody's going to eat fruit from it again, the disciples shouldn't have been freaking out about it. They're going, should have had some figs. Because <laughs> we knew it was going to happen because we have confidence in God. You know that's what faith really is when you boil down to it. It's trust and confidence in God. It's trust and confidence that what he said is bigger, is definitive, is higher, is more established than whatever everything else that's screaming at you may be saying. You see, too often we keep this image of the impossible in our minds. And even the very word of God being spoken to you, maybe even today, like you've heard it so many times in church before, it still leaves us skeptical. See, the disciples didn't believe it whenever Jesus spoke it. They believe it whenever they saw it. And it threw them for a loop. They're like, what's going on? Because you know what the deal is about seeing it? It, it doesn't require faith. Seeing doesn't require faith, folks. I remember um, whenever I was a kid, seven years old, and the new Nintendo video game stuff has just come out. And it's all a big deal. Everybody, you know, all my friends are getting Nintendos for Christmas. And I was hoping that I was going to get a Nintendo for Christmas. Anybody remember the Nintendo? I'm talking about the NES, the big box with the, you know, big lid with the cartridge. You had to, you had to blow on and put them in there, you know. Those that are laughing know exactly what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Sometimes you'd have to stack another game in there on top of it to wedge it in there just right. I remember I got blisters on my thumbs from playing it. I wanted one of those so bad. And it came with Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. It came with the gun. You could shoot. Duck Hunt was awesome. Except, you had, except we took our first one back to Walmart after we bought it because we didn't think that Duck Hunt worked because we had to realize that you had to turn the brightness down on your TV to get the little gun to work on Duck Hunt. And a lot of people did that. It was kind of a big funny thing that happened. But um, that has absolutely nothing to do with anything I'm talking about. <laughs> I was just reminiscing with you guys a little bit. It's fun. But 
I wanted a, a Nintendo so bad for Christmas, and I was hoping that I was going to get one. And about 4 o'clock in the morning, Christmas morning, I woke up, and I thought, I'm going to go do a little espionage while I know everybody's asleep. You know, and I started sneaking around the house, you know, snuck past mom and dad's room, you know. And I was crawling around, sneaking around, and I go into the living room, and it's pitch black. You know, I can't see anything, except I see the glow of our clock in the living room those big bright red numbers from that digital clock. And I take that clock and I start using it as a flashlight. <laughs> I'm sitting there looking. And what my parents would do with my Christmas present that was like my biggest gift, they wouldn't wrap it. It was just laying out there so I could have like a major freak out on you know, Christmas morning whenever I saw it. And whenever I took that red glow from that alarm clock, I thought, oh, there I saw it. There it was, the Nintendo. And I was freaking out in the living room, except I couldn't be loud because everybody's asleep. So I'm going... Bill Cosby. So anyways. <laughs> but anyways, I'm sitting there just freaking out, having a cow over this. And then I think, oh gosh, my general excitement, my initial excitement for it has already passed. Oh man, I better work on this because I can't let my parents know that I got up early to go see it because then that'll break their heart that they know that I know. That's why I worked on it. And I was just trying, okay, have it. Try to do some hands. No, no hands. You know, just frozen pose. Yell. What do I do? Okay. I had to rehearse it. I had to act the part. You see, once I saw, I had to wake up and I had to see beyond what I was looking at. I had to, I had to act like this thing was really happening. I had to, I had to put that out there because I had already seen. It didn't, wasn't, wasn't that initial thing. You see, once you see, once you've seen the fig tree wither, you don't need any faith. Once you've seen the miracle happen, you don't need any faith because you're seeing it. It's right there. What are you going to do whenever you don't see it? What are you going to do whenever it's not apparent to you? All you have to go on is what Jesus said. Do you think that the disciples that night were sitting around going, man, Wonder about that fig tree. That was sure weird, wasn't it? Yeah, what do you think, John? Man, that was weird. Jesus was hungry. I mean, we could have went anywhere and got something to eat, but he sees this fig tree and he curses it and said, no fruit for you, you know? And I'm like, so should we go check this thing out? I don't know. I mean, I think we're going back that way tomorrow. Why don't we go look tomorrow when we go back by and see if it really happened? I remember one time whenever we had this guy that came to our church that I grew up in, and uh, he was a, a, a big healing evangelist guy. And I remember that there was a couple that came that was wanting to be healed. And I wanted to see them healed. And I treated it in my mind, my little eight, nine-year-old mind, almost like it was a show. And I was like, okay, let's see the fireworks now. You know, let's see these people healed. Let's see what's going to happen. And I was looking at it as a show. And I was looking at what was going to happen. And whenever I didn't see what I thought I was going to see... Then all of a sudden I began to go, oh man, a guy came up, you know, in a wheelchair. He didn't get up. A guy came up that, you know, said he had been sick for a long time. He, he went back sick, you know. What did that just do to my faith? It crushed my faith because what was I wanting to do? I was wanting to see something. Folks, anybody can get riled up and excited whenever you start seeing miracles and when you start seeing things. You know that? 
That's not hard at all. That's what Jesus was saying. The fig tree. He was saying, you've seen it. So what? Big deal. I said it. It's over. You see, your faith has got to be based on what Jesus said and not on what you see and not on what you feel. You see, Jesus was trying to tell the disciples about this mountain because he went from a fig tree to a mountain. He went from this small, insignificant thing to this huge thing that just rocked their world. Whenever he was telling them about this mountain, he said, this is a lot bigger than a fig tree. This was a lot bigger than this fig tree. He said, I'm trying to get you to see beyond what you're looking at. Oh, somebody. Slap somebody and say, I'm glad you came to church today. <laughs> Jesus was trying to get them to see beyond what they were looking at. Jesus was trying to get them to see beyond what they were looking at because here's the thing, your current reality will oftentimes block your view of hope. It'll oftentimes block your view of hope, your current reality, the situation you're in right now, the junk you're facing, the storm that you're in, your current reality will block your view of hope. If you're standing on top of the mountain and you're looking down in the valley, then you're just full of faith. You're just, oh, everything's going great. God can, God will, amen. Hallelujah, brother, let me tell you right now that God's for you. Who can be against you? But if you're in the valley, you're going, Ooh, where's God? Nobody in this place is listening to me today. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> you see, a lot of times we think, where's God when we're in the storm? Our current reality has got us freaking out. And we can't see beyond the situation that we're in. We can't see beyond the divorce. We can't see beyond the financial bills. We can't see beyond the struggles. We can't see beyond the hurt, the past, the pain. We can't see beyond it. We're looking at that mountain head on, and we're going, there is no way. And so we try to go, God, please just make it happen. And we don't have faith. We just hope something happens. Maybe if I earn it, maybe if I try to be good enough, maybe if I try to smile just right, and maybe if I just try to, you know, be a soft-spoken little Christian person, and everybody will like me, and this is my Bible, I can have what it says I can have. If I try to do that, if I try to do that, maybe God will like me. It, it, and we try to do all these things just right and say all these things just right, and to get God to like us, and we don't understand God's not moved by those things. God's not moved by those things. He's moved by one thing, and that is faith. We hear nice sermons. We read nice things that try to encourage us. We may even get pumped up, but when we get overwhelmed with our current reality, we begin to lose hope. We feel like there's no way that God could make beautiful things out of our lives, out of our struggles, out of our pain. We think there's no way God could take this and make something beautiful out of it. All I see is pain, all I see is stress, all I see is confusion, all I feel is anxiety, fear, anger. You see, all we see is this mountain. But let me tell you something, folks. I'm here to tell you today that God wants you to look beyond the mountain. He wants you to look beyond your current reality. He wants you to look beyond where you are, and he wants you to see the other side. Amen, somebody? Amen. Amen. One claps, everybody claps. That's the rule. Come on. <laughs> We're never going to make the, the one clapper feel alone. So. <laughs> so there you go. But here's what you, the question I want to ask you, and that you need to ask yourself continually throughout this day, maybe throughout the rest of this week until you get a handle on this thing, until you get a grip on this thing that you're going through, is what do you see on the other side of the mountain? That's the question. I, I want you to write that down. What do you see 
on the other side of the mountain. If you could see it, if you could have faith to believe it, then Jesus said, you will have it. I said that if you can see it and you can have the faith to believe it, then Jesus said that you can have it. Now, that messes with a lot of people. That statement right there messes with a lot of people because you mean anything? You mean anything like Jesus is Santa Claus? No, I don't mean anything. I mean anything, not anything. Don't you get it? I mean anything, not anything. Do I mean just absolutely anything? Like, let's all start, you know, believing God for a million dollars right now, okay? You mean God will give me a million? Oh, wait, 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 anything. I mean anything, not anything. And I want you to understand what I'm saying. Jesus is not Santa Claus. Some of you guys might believe Jesus is Santa Claus. I don't know. He's not. He's not Santa Claus. He said you have to have faith to believe. He said have faith in God in verse 22. Have faith in God. He said you've got to have faith to believe. So here's the thing. Here's the key to this whole thing. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 tells us how faith comes. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the... Says, say it with me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, Jesus said, have faith in God. He said, now this is where faith comes from. It comes by, from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he's saying, anything, not anything... That's what I want to do for you. I want to do anything based on the word that I have already spoken. Oh, somebody. I said he wants to do anything for you based on the word that he's spoken because God is not going to bless you contrary to his word. He is not going to move beyond his word. As a matter of fact, God in his sovereignty has chosen to be bound by his word. Oh, that just blew somebody's mind right there. You're going to have to put a Jolly Rancher in your mouth and think about that all afternoon. God in his sovereignty chose to be bound by his word. God is sovereign. Yes, he can do anything, but he's not going to violate his word because he's a man of his word. Oh, preachers preaching today. I said that God is a sovereign God, and he's not going to violate his word. He's chosen to stick with what he said he was going to do. He's chosen in his sovereignty to stick with what he said he'd do, to make his yes, yes, and his no, no's. To make what he has already established definitive. That means that this fig tree, yep, fig tree, no more fruit for you, dry up, no more. Nobody's ever going to eat fruit from you again. That's it. That's what that means. That's it. That doesn't mean he's going to come back and go, oh, change my mind. Because he's not going to. The same yesterday, today. And forever. And he doesn't make mistakes. Do you believe that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipotent? Do you think he knows everything? Do you think he knows the beginning and the end? He knows when we sleep. He knows when we rise. He knows when we come, when we go. He knows the thoughts that he has for us and the plans and the dreams that he has for us. Yes, of course. Then he is chosen to make his promises good. Anybody ever been promised something that didn't come to pass? Anybody ever joined a multi-level marketing program before? 
You can have this if you go to this level, and you can have this if you go to this level. And, you know, you, you see all these things, and I'm not saying that all those are bad, but I'm just saying that we've been promised things that we've not seen the fruition of the promise. And sometimes we have that distorted view of God. And we think that God's going to go back on his word, but he's not because he's chosen to obligate himself to what he has said to us. He's chosen to make good on his promises. Can I get an amen, somebody? See, God is going to do what he said he's going to do. If the fig tree's going to dry up, it's going to dry up. You can take it to the bank. It's not an iffy situation. It's not a situation. That means if God has said it, then that settles it. It's established it. Then what's my role in the whole deal? Because I can't do anything. Yes, you can. You can choose to believe in him. You can choose to have faith in God. And if he can dry up a little old fig tree on the side of the road, then he can move a mountain in your life. You've just got to trust him and believe him and have faith in his word that it's settled. That when he said it, he meant it for you, for me, for everybody. That's how you are going to get past the junk in your life is when you get God's side of the story. When you begin to see yourself like God sees you. When you begin to say the things about yourself that God says about you. Based on how you feel? No. Based on what his word has already established and what is already said because it's settled. That's the end of it. So let me ask you this morning, church, what do you see on the other side of the mountain? See, if you begin to look at what God said and you begin to see it, it gets bigger and the mountain gets smaller. Nothing's really changed. The only thing that's changed is your perception, is what you've chosen to perceive and what you've chosen to believe. Because you see, the mountain wants to say, here I am, I'm big, in your face. You ain't going to stop me. I'm going to take over your life. I'm going to jack you up. I'm going to mess you up. I'm here to destroy you. I'm here to always intimidate you and make you afraid and make you feel depressed and lonely. I'm the mountain. Hello, hello, can you hear me? I'm the mountain. And Jesus is over here saying, yeah, but I said if you'd stay to that mountain... Be removed, cast into the sea. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you've said is going to happen. He said, then I'm going to do it for you because I'm bigger than that. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm bigger than that. I'm bigger than the junk. I'm bigger than the lies. I'm bigger than the junk that the devil wants you to believe in to stop you from moving forward. I'm bigger than that. And all you got to do is just believe me and have confidence that whenever I said it, it's going to happen. Don't you remember the fig tree? Don't you remember the fig tree? I mean, I said it. That's pretty much the end of it. The disciples didn't get this. They kept having gaps in their belief system over and over again. Even to whenever Jesus would tell them the fact that he was going to die and that he was going to be buried and that he was going to raise again. Because as soon as we see the death and the burial take place, where do we find the disciples? Eh, a couple days later, we're out in the fishing boat. Hopeless. There's a huge gap in my belief system. There's something messed up in my belief system because I, 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 I forgot about the fig tree. I forgot about what he said about the mountain. He was trying to tell me that if he said it, that that's it. If he said he was going to die and be buried, yeah, we believe that part. Why? Because we see it. But the resurrection part, I mean, that's going to... They forgot about Lazarus rising from the dead. They, they forgot about the, the multitudes that were fed with the loaves and the fishes. They forgot about the blind eyes being open. They, they forgot and they just went back to their fishing boats that quickly. 
because the mountain of Jesus dying and they saw it on the cross and they saw him being wrapped up and put in a tomb they i carried him to the tomb man i was there i i saw i saw it man i i, I was one of the guys that was holding a body that put him in the tomb man. I, it's it's over man let's just go fishing they forgot they forgot about the faith you see sometimes the intimidation factor of the mountain can be so big that you can just, you know what, I prayed that prayer before. I said that before. I did that before, man. I, I trusted God before. I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's real or not, man. I guess I'll just try to be a good person and hope that I go to heaven whenever I die. But, you know, I'm, I guess just I'm going to have to deal with whatever I deal with in life. And we live this lie of having to be defeated. We live this lie of having to deal with all this junk the rest of our life and we never rise above. We never see the mountain removed. We just live with mountains all around us. We live intimidated. We live in fear because we can't see the other side of the mountain. We can't see beyond it. But Jesus said that all things are possible. Now it becomes possible for you to put your faith and your trust in God because God wants you to put action behind it. He wants you to put action behind it. He wants you to do something with that trust. Don't just wait for God to fix everything while you sit there with no hope. That's where a lot of us find ourselves. A lot of us find ourselves just saying, okay, God, if you want this to happen, I guess it's just going to happen. And, you know, I guess the fact that I'm miserable right now and I'm dealing with all these issues, I guess you just want all that to happen to me. And I just guess I'll just wait it out and hope that, you know, keep going to church, keep being a good person, and maybe it'll all work out. I don't know, God. I just, and that's how we treat our faith in God. Whenever God said, no, 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 no. Don't walk around like that. He said, you've got to have faith enough to say to that mountain. You've got to speak to it. You've got to believe that it's going to change. You've got to believe that it's going to happen in your life. Why? Because you said it, because you're so good, and because you're so sharp, you're so awesome. No, because you're not. I'm not awesome. I know I'm not awesome. I know I'm not cool. Believe me. My kids tell me. My wife tells me. I've never been cool. I know that. But God is. He's awesome. You see, it's not because I'm so great or so awesome that God's going to do something for me. It's because he's so great. He's so awesome. He's already said it. He's already established it. It's my job to put my faith and trust in him and act like I believe it. So many. Mm-hmm. I said we've got to act like we believe it. You see so many people going around acting like they don't believe nothing, like they got no hope, like they ain't got no joy, like they ain't got no peace, and they're all messed up, all wrapped up in their mountain and their circumstances, feeling sorry for themselves, hoping that Jesus comes and does something about it. Oh, poor old me. I guess nothing good ever happened to me. It always happens to a person. Well, you know, I never win anything. I never, you know, nothing good ever happened to me. I guess the bad's just going to keep on happening, brother. You know, well, I'm just barely making it. I'm holding on. I'm waiting for my ship to come in. You know, I just, I tell you what, I just don't oh but i'm gonna go to church praise jesus you make beautiful things out of us we don't believe that we don't believe that we're a bunch of phonies if if we're going around acting like god's so great and we trust him and we're living our lives with that kind of an attitude 
I've got to change my stinking thinking, my poor ways of thinking and viewing and perception of God into a God that doesn't want to do anything for me, who a God who tells me to have faith in him and trust him based on his word and say, you know what, that changes my whole demeanor. It changes my whole attitude. That's why in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the trial, in the middle of the hurt, in the middle of the pain, that I can walk in the joy of the Lord, that I can walk in the peace of God because it passes my understanding. It surpasses all of the junk that's facing me and I'm walking, trusting God. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I know God said this, and that's what I'm trusting in. That's what I'm standing on, and I'm acting like it. And guess what it does? It gives me hope. It gives me hope for a better tomorrow. It gives me a hope that my kids are going to come back to Christ. It gives me a hope that my husband or my wife is going to repent. It gives me hope that God is bigger than the hurt, that God is bigger than the fear, that he's bigger than my addiction. It gives me hope that I can walk in freedom, and I begin walking that out and growing in that and learning to trust him, and I begin walking in that freedom. Can you see what's on the other side of the mountain? You've got to see it. What did God say about it? What did God say about it? Can you see it? You see, God wants you to put your trust in him and he wants you to put action behind it. We don't need to mope like we got no hope, somebody. We've got to choose to see and say what God sees for you and what he says about you. And I want you to write this scripture down. I use it all the time. The Second Corinthians 5 and 17. You need to begin to see yourself like God sees you. You need to see yourself like this. This is how you need to view yourself. I'm going to give you a minute. Just, just read that up there. You see that third word there? What's that third word? Anyone. Who's anyone? I want you to raise your hand if you're an anyone. Is there anyone in here today? Yeah, there is. Some of you didn't raise your hand. I'm kind of questioning that. I don't really know. There will be numbers on the screen after the service is over. <laughs> everyone is everyone. Anyone is anyone. That means you. That means me. <clears throat> if we're in Christ, how are we in Christ? Did he just do it to us? No, no. How are we in Christ? How is he in us and how are we in him? By faith. Therefore, if anyone by faith is in Christ, then he's a new creation. By faith, he's a new creation. Because it's nothing you or I did. It's all Jesus. All we got to do is just trust him and have confidence that we're new. By faith, we're new. That's why we can live life that's blessed. That's why we can live life walking with God. Because we believe we're new. We're a new creation. And by faith, we believe that old things have passed away. By faith, we believe we're set free from our past. And by faith, all things have become new. You got to get a hold of this. This is the mystery of the gospel. Christ in me, the hope of glory. This is what changes me from the inside out. This is what makes me different. This is what separates me from everyone who is lost, who is still out there that is looking for truth. I found it. How'd you find it? By faith. By faith, I've got it. I've got it. If you were to cut me open, would you see Christ? No, no. You'd see a bunch of gross stuff. <laughs> but I believe he's changed me on the inside. If, if you looked at my heart before I was saved and now that after I'm saved, physically my heart would look the same. But, but it's something, my, it's, it's who I really am. It's who now that I am. He's changed me from the inside. And it's working on me on the outside and I'm beginning to change on the outside also. But he's already made me new. What, how? By faith. 
Are you getting this this morning? Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that aren't seen. God is offering hope no matter how hopeless you may feel. God isn't moved by feelings or emotions. He's moved by faith. Today you can choose to see what God sees. And you can choose to believe what God says. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to put you in a position where all of a sudden, where you didn't have hope before, all of a sudden you've grabbed a hold of something. And you've got hope in something. The government's trying to offer you hope. Your job may try to offer you hope. This world may try to extend hope to you. But there's no hope greater than the hope that Jesus offers me through faith in him. And it doesn't stop at salvation. It only grows. That's only the beginning of what he wants to continue to do and wants us to grow in, in our walk with him as we learn to trust him, as we learn to grab a hold of him by faith and understand what he said in his word. Jesus said in Mark 11 and 25 that we need forgiveness. You thought I forgot about that, didn't you? He said we need forgiveness because this is weird. He talks, goes from a fig tree to a mountain to forgiveness. He said we need forgiveness if we're going to find hope. We need forgiveness if we're going to find hope. He said if you've got anything against anyone, make it right. You need to forgive them. He said because if you aren't forgiven, he's, then how can you ever be offered hope? How can you ever have hope? A lot of people are hopeless because they refuse to forgive. A lot of people can't trust God because they refuse to forgive. Oh, yeah, I, I believe God, but them people are dirty, rotten scoundrels. <laughs> you, God says you need to forgive because how can I offer you hope if you aren't extending hope and forgiveness to someone else? Ooh, somebody. Ton of bricks just boom. Smacks me just as much as it smacks everybody else. How can he offer hope to us if we won't extend hope to someone else? If we say, you're a hopeless case, I ain't forgiving you. And then Jesus says, well, if you can't even do that and you see this guy and you can physically see him, then how can you get hope from me who you can't even see? If you can't deal with this fig tree, if you can't deal with this thing right here that I've already said, how can you deal with this other stuff? Man, you can't. You can fool yourself and act like you are, but you're not. It's a heart issue. If I said something, you've got to believe it in your heart that it's going to happen. And, and, and if I did it for you, then you, you can't do it for somebody else. What's up with that? That's what Jesus is saying. For you to have faith, for you to have hope, you've got to be one who extends hope to others. Mercy, Jesus. If we aren't forgiven, then how can we have hope? How can God make beautiful things out of our lives? If we don't forgive someone else. You see, today, church, is the day for freedom. Today is the day for forgiveness. Today is the day when your hope is restored. Today is the day when you see beyond the mountain, when you see beyond the obstacles, when you see beyond the struggles, and you begin to believe that what God says is true. He said it right here in his word. He said it's settled, it's forever true. It's not going to change. He said, this thing is going to all come to pass. It's going to happen just like I said it was going to happen. Because whenever I say fig tree, you're done. That means fig tree, you're done. 
Whenever I say you're forgiven, that means you're forgiven. Whenever I say I love you no matter what you do, then that's what I mean. Whenever I say that you, by the stripes of Jesus, that you're healed, then I've said it, it's it's done. Whenever I said that you can walk in peace that will pass your understanding, that's it. I said it, it's it's done. If, If I said that I want to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that there's not room enough for you to contain, then it's over, it's done. If 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 I said that I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging for bread, I've said it, it's done. It's just my job to have faith in God and believe that whenever he said it's done, that it's done. We all want to be control freaks. We all want to try to manipulate and control how it's all going to work out, and we can't. We can't control how it all works out, folks. We want to say, well, because the Bible said this, then it's going to happen this way and this way and this way. You don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know when it's going to work out. If it was up to you, your struggle, your situation would have been over yesterday. But God's faithful. And even though you may have to walk through something and God may have to lead you through a process out of something, it doesn't mean that he's not faithful. Matter of fact, it means the complete opposite. You just got to learn to trust him and grow in the middle of the storm. Isn't that crazy what Jesus did to Peter? whenever he called him to walk out on the water. Is that not like the craziest story in the Bible? Here is this huge storm going on. And right in the middle of the storm, Peter stands up and he sees Jesus. He says, Jesus, if that's you out there on the water, then tell me to come on out there. Because it's really weird. I'm seeing you walk on the water. And Jesus said, come on, Peter. Jesus called Peter to do something he had never done before at the worst possible time to do it right in the middle of the storm. Couldn't we practice on like a calm lake, you know? Couldn't we practice it? I mean, Jesus, don't you think that's really not fair? I've never done this before. You're calling me to do this. At like, there's a huge, there's a storm going on. And you're asking me to do something that's never been done before, that's physically impossible. I can't do this. But Jesus was there. And Jesus said it. And because Jesus said it, Peter had the faith to believe. Yeah, we give Peter a hard time for sinking after he got his eyes on the storm. But Peter walked on water. Peter walked on water because he kept his eyes on what Jesus had said. He kept his eyes on what Jesus had said that was going to happen, what he said he could do. And because of that, he had faith to believe that what Jesus said was done. It was over. If, he said, if, if I can do this, and Jesus said, I could. Okay. And the moment he began to seek was the moment that he forgot about what Jesus said. It wasn't that he got his eyes off of Jesus. It's that he just began to forget and let the situation and the storm and everything else become bigger than what Jesus had said. Whosoever say to this mountain, be removed, cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believe that he received when he prayed. He's going to have those things. You see, you believe you receive when you pray, folks. You believe that what Jesus has already said, what he's already established, that it's mine. And then I'm going to walk through it. Whatever it takes, I've got it. I believe it. I trust in his word. It's settled. It's done. It's over. And I choose to trust in him. Bigger than whatever mountain may try to mess me up or may try to knock me out. Amen? What does that do? That offers hope. That shows you that out of your brokenness, out of your hurt, out of your pain, out of whatever storm of life you may be in right now, that God can take something and make beautiful things. All you got to do is trust him. All you've got to do is trust him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning?
You may need to reaffirm your trust in Jesus this morning by asking him into your heart. Maybe you've never done that before. Or maybe you have done that before. But you said, I I need to just reaffirm that trust in him in my heart today. I want you to include me in your prayer today, Pastor. Maybe you say, I've said that prayer, but I didn't really mean it, you know. I mean, I just, maybe you did mean it. Maybe you've just kind of got caught up doing your own thing and you haven't really been trusting him. I'm ready to reaffirm my trust today. Or maybe you're ready to say that prayer for the very first time to welcome Jesus into your heart so he can make you new by faith. If you're here in this place today and you say, yeah, pastor, that's me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to lift your hand up, put it right back down. Just let me know you're here. I see that hand. I see that hand. Hands up all over here. You can put them down after you raise them. I see those hands. I see that hand. You can put it down. Anybody else in this place? Anybody? I see that hand. I see that hand. You can put it down. Here's the deal, folks. It really is sweet to trust in Jesus. So church, would you help me out? Would you just repeat this prayer after me? Say, dear Jesus, I'm ready to put my trust in you. I have faith to believe that what you did on the cross and raising from the dead was good enough to save me from my sins. Forgive me, Lord. Make me new and help me to walk closer to you. I give you the throne of my heart and I say you're the leader of my life. My life's never going to be the same from this day on. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand with me today?